I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest today is Evan Altman from Cubs Insider, my boss. But we're uh, here to talk about the Cubs tailspin, which, you, you know, they did win right after we recorded this. So maybe this is the start of a turnaround. But we're just talking about why... The Cubs lost the weapon straight. The flaws with the team. What went wrong with Jake Arietta, which was a lot. And what is a probable rebuild? What's it going to look like? And, you know, we try to find the positives, but I don't know if we will. Anyway, um, you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Stitcher. I would encourage you to rate and review my podcast on the Apple Podcast app just because I like to know you're listening. Dan, if you have any advice to make it better, you can give me that too. Anyway, I will not keep you anymore from the interview with Evan. Here he is. Evan, welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. It's always good to have you on. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always good to be on in the uh, in the midst of an of an awful losing streak. But uh, you know, hey, uh, the the baseball gods knew that we were recording this because they uh, they caused a rain delay right before we started recording. So I I, right. I don't know whether that's good or bad. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping for a reprieve from having to watch the Cubs the way they've been playing, but they're they're doing okay so far as we're recording this, so maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, well, I was going to say, uh, the last time I had you on was right after the U Darvish trade, so I keep having you on uh, when things aren't going very well, but hey, that's the, I guess that's the way it works. You know, sometimes I, uh, I, I was... Um, it was funny because the last time I was on uh, with, with Lawrence Holmes on 670 to score, you know, he has a, he has a midday show there and and he joked about it. He said, you know, every time I have you on is when something bad is happening with the Cubs and you're like the harbinger of doom. So I was actually on the last time when they were on, uh, I was at some point in May when they were on one of their good winning streaks. And so he's like, I, I, I need to have you on when they're playing well. And it was great. But then uh, immediately afterwards, you know, they went back into this tailspin. So I feel like the next time I'm on there, it'll probably be bad. So, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, it's probably my fault at the end of the day, yep. right? When people want to have me on their shows, it's, it's, uh, it's when they're doing poorly, which unfortunately is a little more often than not lately. Oh, sorry about that. How about that? But my, my um, MLB TV kicked on, it might be a short rain delay. Well, hopefully. So if any maybe, of you heard Maybe that, Jason Hayward uh, rallied the troops in the meantime. Yes. If any of you heard that, then. Listening, that was my MLB TV coming back on from the rain delay. Okay, so yeah, we kind of already dove right into it, but just what happened here? Was it the 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 starting pitching issues? Finally, you know, 
overwhelming things with it, the injuries. How did the bottom fall out so quickly? You know, I, I think it was a it was a mix of things, and, and what we saw, you know, if if we kind of go all the way back and we start in April, and you look at it, and the, the starting pitching was awful. Uh, the, the bullpen was doing fairly well, kind of starting to figure things out. Um, but the hitting was pretty bad outside of Chris Bryant. You know, he got started out hot and then, and then nobody could do anything. And then May came along and then all of a sudden it seemed like everything fell together. The starting pitching was doing well. The bullpen was incredible, just completely lights yes. out. And, and the hitting was coming to, you know, they were, they were making contact. They were hitting the ball out of the ball, mm-hmm. ballpark. They were doing everything right as a, you know, maybe not everything, but most things right overall yes. as a team. And then June came. It was like, okay, the bullpen's still really good. The starters are still okay, but the the bats absolutely went silent. And then toward the end of June and now into July, it's like nothing is working. I mean, just you know, maybe the starts every once in a while, but it's all it's this weird cycle where they just they can't seem to outside of a few weeks there in May, they can't seem to get more than one unit on the team really performing at a high level. And I, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it's chickens coming home to roost or that, that, that the bullpen was a complete mirage. However, I do think there is a little bit of correction for what we saw. Cause I mean, everybody they were pulling up, every rookie was coming in, you know, we saw Tommy Nance, we saw Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, all of them throwing lights out in the bullpen, Ryan Tapera and, and even Dan Winkler somehow, despite the eye test, telling us all he was very very bad his numbers were very very good but a lot of that has come back to really bite them and we've seen to where you know it used to be hey as long as the starter gets you five innings they'll be able to cover four with the bullpen and now uh, we're, we're seeing those things not play out nearly as well and they've given up some really big innings and, and I think again that's that's really um not only disconcerting but it's just I think it brings down everything on the team. When you see a big inning given up late like that, um, it's very difficult then for the offense to overcome if you all of a sudden you're in a three, four, five run hole versus just being down one. And, and I think that kind of causes some people to shut down. So it, it's it's tough, man. I, I, I don't know if there's one single thing, but uh, certainly the bullpen coming back down to earth, I think, has been just a, a psychological downer that's tough to overcome. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, it's the, the pressure from the starting rotation to have to be a factor. I mean, when you're going this short, just constantly, that the pressure on the bullpen to be absolutely perfect, and that's, that's hard. It's very hard to be under. You cannot mess up. And they did a brilliant, just brilliant job of holding up through May, but you just got the sense that if they didn't get some help to the starting rotation, that this wasn't going to last. And sure enough, it did not last. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, and, and that's, that's part of it too. Like you said, um, when the offense and what's funny, you know, I, I looked at it um, after they lost um, the the Tuesday night game, right. Where they got down seven, nothing, but what was interesting enough is, is they had, been up seven to nothing in, in a previous game uh, in Arietta's mm-hmm. previous start, you know, so they were down seven, nothing in his last start. And the one before that they were up seven, nothing lost both of them by giving up 15 runs to the opponent, but they scored uh, what seven and 10 runs in those games respectively. So 17 total runs yes. in those games where they'd given up a total of 30, but 
in the rest of the other nine games in their losing streak uh, so far, and maybe they'll break that tonight because uh, now they're up five to nothing as as we uh, as we speak, which is pretty cool. Um, they had scored eighteen runs, so eighteen runs in nine games versus seventeen runs in two games, and and that's you know again two runs a game. That's that's just not going to get it. I don't care. You know the the bullpen can't be asked to hold if it's a two to one. And how many times do we see it in the in the Red Series in particular? The Cubs would get up one to nothing or two to nothing or two to one, and they simply couldn't hold it, and they'd lose no. two to one, three to two, something like that. It's just yes, that's that's tough, and it's not it, that's not an indictment of the bullpen. If you lose a game where your offense continually scores one or two runs, that's simply not enough to get it done. And so again, I put that on the offense, which. You know, again, as we're as we're talking, they are. It, it looks at least as if they're getting back to maybe actually starting to hit some singles and just put some base runners on and make some things happen, which is really good to see. And that's where they were successful. That's what they kind of fell out of in June. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see them get back to that. Yeah, that you know, again, we're stuck in this spot. What I've been trying to think, twenty seventeen. A little bit, but not really. But 2018, 2019, 2020, now 2021. These just unbelievable offensive slumps team-wide where everyone seems to just falter at the same time. And it's like, this is getting to be not a bug, but a feature of this team. And you really wonder, is it ever going to change? Or is this going to be a yearly, with this group of players together, will they ever not have these horrible slumps? Well, I, you know, and I think that's that's part of where, in a sense, Jed Hoyer's job may have gotten a lot easier as the result of this this losing streak because, you know, I don't know that there's anything they can necessarily do to, uh, to right the ship at this point. You know, being as close as we are to the All-Star break and then, uh, subsequently, the the trade deadline decisions have to be made, and if you are, you know, eight games out of first, eight and a half games out of first, uh, in in what otherwise should have been a winnable division, with you know a rotation that's in drastic need of an upgrade in order to really compete, it's difficult to look at that and say, well, gosh, we've got the pieces, and and knowing the position they're in. Uh, going into the season with a, a bunch of guys who are on either expiring rookie deals or who are on one-year deals to fill spots, you know, options or no one-year guarantees. The difficult part then is how much are you willing to give up out of your farm system, which is, yeah. you know, again, a lot of people underrate that. Uh, they, you know, they think the Cubs farm system is terrible. It's not. It simply doesn't have a lot of impact talent that would be immediately ready to come up or even really, next year you know i mean brennan davis could possibly be there but but again what can you part with you know are there enough players in that system that makes sense for other teams to even give up and we know the asking price is high for pitchers but if the cubs do that they're more than likely getting another guy who's only going to be there for the remainder of the season Mm -hmm. now you're looking at a team that could be without all of those players and with the depleted farm system i i just there's just no way that, that they can make those moves. So to come back around and answer your question, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're still in line to continue this kind of thing because I, I don't think there's any path 
to this team being anywhere close to what it is now and remaining intact beyond this season for any number of different reasons. And I think that's what makes Hoyer's job a little bit easier is because he can look at it and say, look, guys, what do you want? Theo said the offense was broken in 2018. And and we kept trying to run it back. We kept trying to hope it would happen, and it never did. And so we know you guys love a lot of these players from the 2016 team, but where has that gotten us? We have to make changes. And so as much as I don't like it, I think that's the direction they're going to take. Well, then that begs the question – Maybe they need to break up this team. Is that too out there to? I know we love all these guys, but is that a question we should ask? I mean, I, I think it's one we have to. Um, I, I think you also need to, you know, you look at things like what Kyle Schwarber was doing in in Washington, and and some of that again, some of that could be complete coincidence. Mm-hmm. Maybe something just happened for him individually something psychologically changed something physically changed uh he adopted a new approach i don't know yeah but we saw how badly he struggled in the leadoff spot and and now he's injured but we saw then you know this historic pace that he set through most of june uh really the second half of june with something like 15 homers and 75 at bats or just something absolutely absurd you know as a leadoff hitter and the cubs couldn't make that happen so you just you know what is it a matter of I, I hesitate to say complacency, right? I don't think that's fair, but I don't think we can overstate or overlook the idea that this this team, it looked and felt and performed differently in 2015 and 2016 from what we saw in any season since. And, you know, how much of that is them, for lack of, of, of a better term, kind of becoming self-aware. And, and when they were sort, sort of just these wide-eyed kids, uh, early on, I mean, they're grown men, but still, you know, they were young players. And then, you know, suddenly they sort of became aware of what they were doing and what a big deal this was. And, you know, it, it, it sort of lost the mystique. And so I just, I do kind of wonder if I know people might want to kind of poo poo the idea of a change of scenery, but there is something to be said for, for having a new challenge and for starting fresh. And when you've accomplished the biggest challenge, in quite possibly all of professional sports mm-hmm. in winning a world series with the Cubs. Like, where do you go from there? Yes. What, what challenge is remaining? And I, I do wonder if, you know, did that drive it, through no fault of their own. I, and I want to make this very clear. I don't believe for a second that these players aren't driven or that yeah. they don't care. But when that carrot gets taken off the stick, um, you know, you've grabbed the brass ring. What, how, how do you get back to that? point and and you've had that mountaintop moment so it's uh it's tough and and that may require some pretty big changes and at this point I, I think that's uh, part of the reason I say this is because I feel like it's inevitable at this point so it's easier to say I don't think I would have said that maybe earlier in the year but um you know maybe that's what's best for the players themselves you know and then and then the team uh as a result of that well you know I have this theory that I've been thinking about with this team that you know we it's very easy to think of everything as linear. Like, you know, first year, you you put up numbers. You're a rookie, say Chris Bryant, you know, uh, Hobby Baez, whatever. They have huge first couple years. Then you think, well, obviously, the more they play, the numbers will keep going up. You know, this guy's a rookie. Put up these numbers when he's a rookie. Wait till he's a 
like seven years in, he'll have numbers that you've never seen. But, you know, especially in baseball, being such a game of adjustments, sometimes you peak when you're first or second year. They might That might be as good as they were. Those guys in 2015 or 2016, for whatever reason, that was the best they were going to play in the majors. And, you know, things were adjusted to them and stuff or in case of a Bryant injuries or whatever, but they, they never hit heights above what they did their first couple of years. Am I, could there be some truth to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there are so many, and I think it's, it's so difficult when you see, let's say a Mike Trout, who's been, you know, historically good, basically from the, maybe not his first year, but really the moment he became a full-time player. So that, that first full year and every season says he's basically been the best player in baseball every year. Um, you know, all due respect to Mookie Betts and his ML, uh, his MVP season, uh, Trout is, is clearly the best and, and will probably go down as one of the best ever. I mean, top, top 10 possibly. Um, but that's a really difficult thing. And, and the thing is though, you look at that, you say that dude's never been in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And you know, the angels have been awful. So, you can be great and never have that. And I think any one of those players would say, you know, I would trade every single award I've ever had to win a world series. I think almost anybody would, would tell you that. And so, you know, you, you look at that accomplishment and to do that in Chicago, again, kind of going back to what I said, I, I think it's in, in entirely possible that, you know, some of them came up and they, they didn't know what they didn't know. They weren't, you know, thinking about these things. And that's part of what made that whole thing possible is because none of those guys really grew up with the, you know, the, the Cubs were a different deal. Theo Epstein had created a different culture. It was not the same as in you, you look at the team from 69 from 84, some of those others, I think even Oh three that they, they felt it. They felt the weight of all of that. And, and that 2016 team came in with more swagger. They were picked by everyone to be the world series champions. They jumped right out, went wire to wire. And, and they just, because they didn't care about all that stuff outside. But, but yeah, that's what I kind of wonder though, at that point is then do they, once that all happens, that's when they became aware of it. And that's when, you know, early on you are just a kid and then you mature kind of overnight. And I I think then you start to press a little bit. Then you start to say, well, now as you may, you know, now I've got to do better than what I did before. It's not just mm-hmm. the fans that expect it. I think those players all expect it. Yes. And and then they sort of push themselves uh, psychologically and, and physically. And, you know, and, and there's, and again, there hasn't been a lot of change. If you look at the court, yeah, have mm-hmm. other players been added and subtracted? Yes. But a lot of those same core players are there that whole time. And I, again, I hesitate to say that, that the comfort level is too great, you know, or yes. that they, they don't have the edge, but at the same time, it's it's sort of, you know, it, it is a very comfortable deal, yes. and that's good to an extent. But I wonder how much of that, and and you know, the Cubs haven't really done much to bring in outside of of Nick Castellanos, who they did bring in, and who admission all the way around the board from yes. him himself to other players, like man, he brought the hunger back, mm-hmm. and then you know he was gone after half a season, not even quite half a season, and they've not, they've gone out and gotten some of these, mm-hmm. you know, the, but when you're looking at, when your gritty veteran is Daniel Descalso or yes. Eric Sogard, Eric Sogard. those, those guys aren't pushing anyone. They're not, 
they're not challenging anyone for a job or forcing anyone else to pick up their game. And, and if you don't bring in, I don't want to say an irritant, but, but I look at a guy like John Lackey, right. You bring in sort of this guy from the outside. Who's this, you know, he, like this dude knows how to win and he's going to maybe not literally, well, maybe literally chew somebody. Yeah. If, if they don't do this right, like he's going to get in your face. And I just don't think that's there anymore. I think you've got a bunch of guys who are all comfortable with each other and, and they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. I mean, whatever, you know, it's all, it's all good. And I just don't know how much of a, of a drive there is internally for them to push one another yes. and themselves. I, I could be wrong, but well, I, I just don't sense that. That's when you, you get to a guy like an Arietta where it's like, we're getting these mixed messages now, but I mean, I, you have to say it. He's got not, if he's got anything left, I don't know. I can't see it, but they're running him out there every fifth day. Now, finally, they've given him this, you know, diagnosed him with a hamstring injury. And I mean, I don't know. They claim it goes back to May or whatever, but, but it's just like, if you want to set an example for the rest of the team, this guy cannot be starting every fifth day and you should, you know, release him. Say it would be, I mean, I, I hate to be one of those like rah, rah, because I'm usually not, but set an example for the other guys. We'll get rid of Jake Arietta if he's bad. We'll get rid of any one of you. And I just think when you keep running him out there and say things like, oh, he's got a lot in the tank and whatever David Ross was saying today, it's just like, I don't think that helps if your team is feeling kind of like entitled to be where they are. Well, yeah, and and the whole Arietta thing is it's it's curious, it's frustrating, it's it's sad. You know, there there was that hope that uh, you know, especially after they sort of were forced to let John Lester walk because at the time there wasn't money in the budget, um, or you know, and then and then once that got increased, that's when we saw them sign Jock Peterson. That's when we saw them get Arietta, and there was this kind of um, you know really kind of warm fuzzy feeling on both sides that hey, here's this reunion with this guy. He left on you know, not great terms uh, and didn't pitch well with the Phillies and, and kind of hid some injuries there or try to pitch through them. And that clearly didn't work. And, and so he says he's healthy and he came back. He started to look pretty good, but then it started to fall off. Then he has a bad games. Oh, you know, it was a, you know, I had a last race on my thumb. Then he mm-hmm. comes back. He had, has a bad game. Oh, well, I was actually throwing up and I had food poisoning. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you shouldn't have been thrown. Yeah. You shouldn't have been out there. Ross shouldn't have let you play. And now We've got, he's been really bad for over a month. He's been terrible his last two starts um, multiple times, even in the, in the game against the Dodgers. So his last three starts have all been part of this losing streak. Even against the Dodgers, the box score will tell you he only gave up two runs, but he looked much, much worse. And you have to sit there and wonder, like, how do they keep running him out? And now you hear, oh, he's had this hamstring thing. It's not a big deal, but okay, either – a, it really was a big deal, and now you're downplaying it for whatever reason, or you know, or it's fake entirely, and and that that which is what it felt like because I was talking to someone even last Friday, um, when it came to you know finding because Trevor Williams is doing a rehab, Justin mm-hmm. Steele is doing a rehab, they need to find room for these pitchers, and I was like, I, they're going to have to find a phantom injury for Jake Arrieta because mm-hmm. he can't keep going out there, and last night after he gave up seven runs in two innings, I was like, okay, they're going to find a phantom injury for him. 
lo and behold, here it comes. And that's, and that's fine. And I understand that you have to make it seem legit. But if you say it's been there since late May, and he's been ter- he's at an 851 ERA yeah. since May 19th. Like, that is unconscionably bad. He's, he's a bad pitcher. He has, I don't care what the reason is, whether he's hurt or just he's washed uh, yeah, or both. It, yeah, if been, you can't admit that. He's been awful. If <laughs> your injury, if your injury is causing you to get wailed on like that, then you should not be pitching. Yeah, and if you're not injured, and then there's coming out and say this, but it, it makes the team look bad to say, well, we've known this is a deal since late May, and we've willingly sent him out there to be a very bad pitcher. Yeah. I just, I don't, what does that say to the fans and then to the team mm-hmm. that we know he's been bad? We know he's battling this tight hamstring, but we're going to pitch him anyway. I, I that, That's the part that I just don't, I mean, I get it, he, but he said, he thought he could pitch through the thumb laceration. He thought he could pitch through the the food poisoning uh, or whatever it was, you know. Which again, how real were those? I don't know. And now he says he could. He thought he could pitch through this. Well, at what point do you stop listening to him and start yes. saying, "No, you can't pitch through this. You're not 25 years old anymore." Yeah, the manager's got to. The manager has to save you from yourself, because of course you're going to try to pitch. That's the manager's job to say, and the GM to say you're not. You're not doing it. You have to go on the injured list. So if that was true, but we don't even yeah. know if it's true. And then that's really where I come down to it's one way or the other. It's either you're making stuff up because you kind of have to make it look legit or you're proving that there's some ineptitude with the management in this one because they've allowed this to happen. And, and, and again, three of those starts in an 11 game losing streak that has effectively tanked their odds is just, it's not, it's not a good look all the way around. And then, and then again, when, and, and I remember thinking this and, and, and a lot of people talk about, you know, I say the Cubs batted around in that game against the Brewers they had a seven, nothing lead. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, yeah, but Jake gets Jake day. So yes. you can't, can't trust any lead with Arietta going. And sure enough, you know, he ends up just walking a bunch of people, giving up six runs and it was terrible. And that's, I mean, that's just, it's it, it, it when people have that thought, when you can't trust a guy mm-hmm. to go out there, on every fifth day and even hold a seven run lead yes. like that's kind of a problem and and that's the whole thing i'm just it's it's just not good and there's just no great yeah. and, and it's just it's sad and you hate to see something end like mm-hmm. that for a guy who you know uh was part of that world series team and who was so great for those years but mm-hmm. you know i was thinking about it somebody asked me about it the other day and i think it's just he he has that crossfire delivery. He has he had such great stuff and good velo, and all those things work together. But I just feel like his particular combination of skills kind of lent themselves to that brief window of time where he was among the best. In that 2015 season, I mean, he was one of the best to ever do it. Period. I mean, in the history of baseball, that's some yes. of the best pitching we've ever seen. But I I think there was he was very bad, and and you know I don't want to speculate on any other stuff that, that could have perhaps uh, contributed to that, but his performance, you know, prior to 2014, not mm-hmm. so great after, and even after 2016, you know, 2016 was a far cry from 15 and then 17 was even more. So, so that three year period, he was fantastic. And then anything before and after that, I think his, his talent was such that it, it really had to be confined to that small athletic peak window 
Um, and and he just doesn't. He's he's failed yeah, or like, has refused to adjust. It's like he's so he was so chaotic. Like I don't. The stuff was so much that if it's not perfectly calibrated, it just gets out of hand. It got out of hand early in his career. He could never get control over it. And late in his career, he could never get control over it. He had that one window where he had control for whatever reason. Did the Cubs, you know, give a good thing mechanically to him? Did it just click? You know what I mean? Did he find the right grips for his, I don't know. But that, it was like a perfect storm. But you, you know what? He just was always, I don't know what I want to say is like, his stuff was just like radioactive. It was so hard to get a handle on that it was, he never really, other than those three years. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it was, and, and what we've seen, you know, and again, he was able to do that when he was throwing mid nineties. And when that starts to fall away, you know, when, when you don't have the dominant fastball and, and he, he really loves that sinker, you know, um, but the thing is, if you're not getting the right kind of movement, if you're not locating it properly, you know, if you're, you could throw 91 and get away with it. But what we've seen from a lot of guys like Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies, and we've seen some others, even Alec Mills, um, is, is elevating that sinker more rather than keeping it down to where clearly we see with Arietta that a lot of hitters have no problem, uh, being able to handle that. And so, and, and he's openly discussed the idea that he doesn't want to throw the fastball up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like that. He doesn't think it's necessary. And, we heard him uh, after his start say, I still think my stuff is among the best in the league. I watch a lot of baseball. I think my stuff is all still there. And it's like, but it's, but it's not, <laughs> you know, yes. he's, he's, I don't know if he's delusional. It, we, we know he's got a really big ego. And I, and I think a lot of this, you, you kind of have to right, to compete. So I don't want to say that like it's a bad thing. However, it feels as if it's been a detriment to him because it does appear as though he is unwilling to make the necessary mm-hmm. changes to continue to be a competent major league starter. Yes. And, and that's the part that's kind of tough because I, a lot of people, you know, I'm not going to call all of us experts, but a lot of people look at this and they say, Hey, well, if he wanted to do X, Y, and Z, but it, he does not, he appears he too want stubborn to. to want to do those things, yes. which is unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. That's really all you can say. And it's, it's like, you know, we, I guess one of the things you'd always, sometimes it's the um, reunions are not that good. He left after 2017. It was probably for the best that that was it. But sometimes you try to recapture that magic and it never seems to work out very good. No, you know, and I think that's, that's part of what it was like. A lot of people, that was sort of in the back of everyone's mind is like, oh man, this would be really cool if he can come back and just, and really all it was, was if he, he can just be a competent three, four starter, mm-hmm. you know, if you could just do that, you know, with Hendricks and Davies and Alzali, yeah. that should probably be okay. But um, first of all, he hasn't even been that. He hasn't been a competent number no. five. And, you know, they've dealt with other injuries and you had slow starts from Hendricks and Davies. And so, it's just, there's a lot going on there um, that that's really difficult. And the, and the thing at the end of the day, the thing that's difficult is whether you like it or agree with it or not, 
the Cubs are more than likely going to make a bunch of changes mm-hmm. and they're going to have to remake that rotation. And eventually they're going to have to figure out who the heck else they've got yes. besides Alzali coming up and, and find out for sure. Hey, can we stretch Keegan Thompson back out? Mm-hmm. Can, can Justin Steele be stretched out? And Arietta being given these opportunities every fifth day is just taking away mm-hmm. from figuring out what you've got with some of these other guys and yeah, just moving on and moving forward. He's not going to be part of the team after this year, no matter what. So it's like, yeah, why have him take up spots for young guys? It's not, it's not worth it. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, you, you, you don't want it to be that way. I mean, and it's state, right. He's a veteran. He's got a lot of respect in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult to just DFA a guy like that. Yes. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've seen with some of these others, we've, we've, you know, Descalso got strung along for two years, you know, and he just mm-hmm. kept staying on the IL and that's, you know, is that what happens? Does, does area to figure some things out and just wake him up? I don't know. But again, I would, if you're going to see a team struggle, and I guess this is what it comes down to, would you rather see this aging veteran who's been washed up for a few years out there, you know, barely keeping your team in a chance to win a game, or would you rather see a young guy who at least you can look at and say, yes. hey, I believe he's learning on the job. I understand that this isn't great, but he gives me hope um, yes. versus, you know, hey, oh, hey, here's a guy who's on the 2016. It feels like mm-hmm. a gimmick. Versus yes, something does. that's actually meant to help the team. Yeah, a way to get fans in the seats. Yeah. Well, I guess I I just want to ask you, what do you think? How is this going to play out? The, this upcoming trade deadline. Do you think they move all the big names? Or do you think they... Because you've heard this theory that they're better off keeping them and giving them qualifying offers and getting draft picks at this point, especially some of the rental players. If you're not going to get a good value, say for Baez or Rizzo or those guys, but do you think they're going to, how aggressive do you think they'll be? Do you think they'll move everyone or just a few key people? Um, You know, I, I, I think oddly enough, they're, they're probably, they would get better, value by moving say you know jock peterson or andrew chafin or some guys like that who uh again were you know have and, and of course chafin's become a cult hero in his time there and and everybody loves peterson he's great but but peterson's a guy who kind of felt like when he was signed that it was for kind of a hey great we got somebody to replace kyle schwarber um for a little bit cheaper and if we're good cool he can play left but if somebody needs a lefty masher and we're out of it he could easily be flipped that's what that very much felt like at the time and i think again there's nothing there's not much committed to him Mm -hmm. money-wise certainly nothing beyond this year it's all you know the guarantee was for this year um and and so the value feels better there again chafin guy who who won't be around the value feels better there with someone like rizzo bryant or javier Baez, for whom there is so, so much emotional capital mm-hmm. invested in them beyond just the money um, to move. And we already saw what happened with Darvish. And and and, yes. and again, I, I reiterated this on, on a show the other day. It wasn't just Darvish. It was Victor Caratini. The Cubs have used yes. six backup catchers this year, right? Because of either injuries or mainly poor performance. 
you know, how valuable would Vic Caratini have been uh, in addition to Darvish? We're, we're looking at an entirely different team, but that's, mm-hmm. again, that ship has sailed. But again, to move any of those players for what amounts to simply a few lottery tickets, the, the value is so low there and so, yeah. so disparate that it would, in that case, it makes more, to me, the Jed Hoyer has to balance. That's where his value is not. Do we sell or not? It's can I get better value right now in some teams? Which and and let's let's be very clear about this. Teams are very much unwilling with the expiring CBA. We yeah. don't really know what next year is going to look like. It's not just the Cubs that are unwilling to part with top prospects. A lot of teams are really really unwilling to part with these guys. So do the Cubs just? make moves just to make them. Yeah. Um, which I think would be stupid, <laughs> you know, but if I, I, they'd be better off going out and, and finding some draft picks rather than just piling up three or four, like a fantasy baseball trade, you know, piling in three or four guys who are going to be in your low minors. Mm-hmm. You'd almost just be better off with that pick, which is more valuable. And that's what Hoyer has to weigh. And I think at least letting those guys play that out, because what do you have as a team? If you're Tom Ricketts, and you trade away Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and mm-hmm. Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell and Jock Peter. Like, if you do all of it, you're not charging. What are you going to charge for tickets? Yeah, What's you the can't resale value? That. Like, who's going to watch that? You can't charge the highest rates in the league. Yeah, no, nobody's going to watch that during the second half. And then mm-hmm. what are you going to have next year? Are you going to spend all that money to replace in free agency every single one of those players? Yeah. And if you do, how bad are, are you going to be? Are you going to go get top three? Are you even going to have a season? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. there's so many question marks. But I think from a business standpoint, it would be a huge mistake mm-hmm. to move all those guys late in the season and and to try to then recoup the fans' trust yes. over that time uh, as a result. It would just be so difficult. And you're just not going to get that much back. It's just – they're expiring contracts. None of them other than you could argue Brian has, but the other guys have not had close to as good a year as you know what I mean? It's just they're not going to be the the big ticket items. And it's like would you sell them for 20 cents on the dollar? I mean, not you know what I mean. Not the, that's a bad way to say it, but when you regroup so little value for them, you know, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Well, and, and with somebody like a hobby Baez being, uh, you know, it's a, it's a shortstop heavy market uh, mm-hmm. next year in free agency, you know, how much is somebody going to be and with any of them though, how much are you going to be willing to trade for a guy who not only is, uh, you know, is, is only under control for the remainder of the season, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we saw, you know, Anthony Rizzo has not performed as well at times. He's, he's maybe battling some injuries. The back flared up again. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Bryant, as we're discussing tonight, got his hand stepped on at, at second base. He's battled some nagging stuff this year. Mm-hmm. Javi Baez was scratched from the lineup Wednesday night with a with a bad thumb that he's battled. So all these guys are a little bit nicked up. Um, they've they've got, I don't want to say limited value, but the value is a little more finite because of the fact mm-hmm. that they would have to be re-signed next year. So how much are you going to give up for a guy that if you wanted to keep, you're going to have to spend a ton of money on when you could just wait Mm-hmm. and they're going to be a free agent. If you really want that guy, you just wait it out till free agency yes. and then go sign him for, a, for just money instead of giving up prospects as well. And, and I just, 
the value the Cubs are going to be able to extract at this point is so low yes. that I just it doesn't make any sense. So again, if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, you know, losing the trust of fans, not being able to fill that ballpark because you're so far behind and you've got no talent left. Uh, and then to not even be able to get the kind of pieces to rebuild because you waited so long to make any of these moves when you could just, and again, again if you trust your scouting and Dan Kantrovich, uh, who's there now, you know, the VP of, of scouting and, and, uh, to go out and actually, if you can stockpile a bunch of draft picks, well, hey, that you know that might take a while for them to get up, but that's, I mean, realistically, that's what they turned this thing around with the first time is is yes. going to get some of those guys who moved quickly through the system. You add that to the to the farm, uh, but again, that that just feels uh, to have to rebuild twice within a decade. Like, yes, if you're not going to spend big, I mean, if you move all those guys. And then you actually, and the Cubs do have money, and they've got a ton of money falling off the books. As long as you go out and bring some people back, like you're going to have to give fans something because yes. going through and just loading it up with a bunch of has-beens or role players or or trying to fill spots with with you know mid-tier prospects mm-hmm. for a couple of years is not absolutely not going to get it done. I don't care how much money Tom Ricketts oh. going to save on payroll. That would be a, a really bad misstep uh, from from a business standpoint. Yes. But, um, but what do I know? You know, I'm just yeah. a blogger. But, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, just you could even do, I'm sure Ricketts will not do this, but you could even do a quick rebuild like the uh, 07 cuts. If you remember the 07, they were really bad in 06. And they did a complete, they spent money. I mean, but they did the quickie rebuild. They got the two playoff rounds in a row. So you can do that with a big market team. Not that the Rickets would do that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's possibilities. And, and there will be, you know, I think a lot of this is going to hinge upon, you know, I mean, both sides we've heard from the ownership and from the players. They feel somewhat optimistic about the, the collective bargaining agreement negotiations. I, I don't know that I necessarily believe that, but yeah, it, if – they truly do feel optimistic about it. And they think, you know, Hey, they're, you know, that we will have a season, a full season. We, we know what, uh, what the, the, it's not a salary cap, but the luxury tax threshold mm-hmm. is going to look like and kind of where this is going to come in and, and what other things are going to be in play. I think that opens things up, but in general, it's really difficult. And, and this is like one of the only times I will kind of, I don't want to side with the owners, but where I can understand maybe a reluctance to go out there and, and try to sign a bunch of guys, because if you don't know what the parameters of that next season are, it's really, really difficult yes. to know how to budget properly and, and who to sign and, and what you can get. So um, that is the one thing that I could say might be standing in the way. And, but, but as you mentioned, you know, it is possible. They have, they only have something like $40 million yes. in committed payroll, 40 or 50 million. And maybe it's like 60 in, um, luxury tax, but, but still you're talking about another 150, 160 million that they can go out and spend in free agency. So there's, there is no excuse yes. not to go out there, whether you extend guys or not. Uh, there's no excuse to, to not go out there. And, and, you know, again, you don't, you don't have to, they should always spend over 200 million. That's my opinion. The yes. Cubs have that money. They should. Um, and you can find some of those guys, you can get a lot of new players 
for that and and still keep some of your core guys yeah. and kind of reshape things so uh whether they will do that or not and and the thing that concerns me is as we talked about earlier with how poorly they've played in general and and we've heard Tom Rickett say again and again and again that you know spending money doesn't necessarily make a winner look and, and people will be like yes. look at the rays look at the athletics yes. and it's well okay but that's you know again calculus is different but yeah those that gives people this excuse if you can say well we're trying to operate like no you shouldn't you're you're no. not in Tampa you don't have a terrible stadium deal and and uh you know you don't have those same years yeah. of development because the entire infrastructure is different all the way through. And so you can't just automatically be like, oh, we can just win by not spending as much. Like, no, yes. it doesn't work that way. Those teams have no, built no. their entire organizations around their specific parameters, which are different. And, you know, if you're just cheering for Tom Ricketts to make another $100 million a year, then I think you have a problem. And that's not yes, helpful. Yes. Well, I think we've covered about all we want to talk about. I mean, I didn't want to get too into the actual on field because it's just been so bad that I thought we should start looking towards the future. But I mean, poor Brandon. We could have talked about Eric Sogard more, but he might listen to this and I don't want to <laughs> cause him any further pain. Yeah, that's... uh there's there's not a whole lot going on right now that you gotta be happy about, but you know, hey, maybe they uh, maybe they can put something together and at least make this thing, you know, a little more enjoyable to watch. I think that's the that's the thing. It's just been so painful lately that you think, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the All Star break just to not have as much baseball, bad baseball to watch. But uh, you know, as quickly as they got bad, maybe they turn around and get hot and some things well, change around and we can all be excited thing, about yeah, it. The one thing I will say is. They can't possibly be this bad for the whole season. That's not possible. Even the worst teams win games. So they will go on a upswing at some point, but this has been rough. Yeah, that's for sure. That is that is saying the least of it. But uh yeah, I mean it it has to get better because it can't continue. You can't lose every game. So uh you know, we'll see. And then, and again, their, their uh, July schedule here is, is significantly weaker than what June was. And, you know, the Brewers have a little bit of a, a tougher schedule. So uh, who knows? Maybe things just uh, go go wild the other way around and, and we're all uh, premature and in, in saying yep. that they're going to have to sell. Who knows? Who knows? It could all uh, strange, strange things have, have happened from time to time. Yeah. Well, either way, you can read about it all on Cubs Insider. We'll be both right. And We'll tell you what happens if it's good, bad, or in the middle. Absolutely. You know, they come by, and, and hopefully they, they need to start winning because people don't like to read about teams that lose. Uh, I, that's what I've discovered. So I would like them just yes. to, uh, to to win a few games uh, just to, to keep us from, from having to write all this negative stuff all the time. So that's right. we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out how they finish this first half and, you know, seeing what uh, one way or the other. I think the team is going to look different. Uh, you know, come come August first. So yes. I guess there's there's something whether it's uh, you know trades or people being kind of shuttled off to <laughs> to the end of their career or off to the minors or whatever happens. It's uh, I think things are going to look different. So it'll be exciting one way or the other. Yep. All right. Well, thank you as always for coming on, Evan. No problem. Thanks for having me. Evan is on Twitter at d Evan Altman. 
I am on Twitter at STH85. You can email me at the email address holycowpod at gmail.com and I'll try to be back soon hopefully with better Cubs news but might be to break down a bunch of trades I don't want it to be to break down a bunch of trades but that might be what it is either way I will be back and as always go Cubs